This week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast is brought to you by the patrons of the Rural Woman Podcast. This amazing group of individuals contribute financially to the Rural Woman Podcast to ensure the stories of women in agriculture hit your earbuds each and every week. Want to join them in supporting the stories of women in agriculture while getting access to extended episodes, patron-only episodes, and other great perks? Head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more about how you can become a patron through Patreon. Hi, I'm Caitlin Dubin, and this is the Rural Woman Podcast. I'm a first-generation farmer who married into agriculture. Born and raised in a city, I was so unfamiliar with where my food came from, but I was determined to figure it out. Through my journey into agriculture, I saw women who were strong but humble, often taking a back seat. To me, these women were leaders who deserved a seat at the table. I created the Rural Woman Podcast to share the voices of women in an industry whose stories often went untold. The rural entrepreneurs who live and breathe their work, full of grit and pride. We come here to share our stories, to be in community with each other, to be challenged and inspired, but most importantly, to be celebrated and to be heard. We may not all live, farm, ranch, or homestead the same, but we are all connected. We are rural women, and our stories are worthy of being told. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today, you'll meet Amanda Brzezinski and Erin Golden. Amanda and Erin are both moms who have worked in the childcare and education system. While at home with small children, they started an Instagram account to build connections and share the ups and downs of motherhood. From there, they created the Saplings Magazine. Sapling is a child-focused magazine which includes a variety of indoor and outdoor activities, agriculture-based reading material, seasonal crafts, and fun farm facts. They hope their magazine helps encourage today's young learners to explore nature and inspire curiosity about agriculture. Before we get to this week's interview, I'd like to go over this week's listener review. This week's five-star rating and review comes from Bobby Ackerman via Apple Podcasts Canada, and it is titled, I am a farmer. I grew up in egg alongside my brother and dad, but never felt like I was enough of a farmer to hold the title, even though I was actively participating alongside the men in my family, doing the same tasks, just not being a decision maker. I was fine holding the title farmer's daughter, checking cows, bailing, cooking meals, and fixing fences, but felt that I wasn't quite a farmer. The story shared here gives validation and redefines what it takes to hold the title of a farmer and takes the shame away from not fitting in the traditional checkbox definition of being a man. I am so thankful to Caitlin and this podcast for redefining the definition of farmer and allowing me to claim my title. Well, thank you so much, Bobby, for this kind rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. And my friends, if you have yet to leave a rating and review wherever you listen to the show, I encourage you to do so as this helps others find the show and others help break the stigma 
and squish that checkbox of the definition of what it is to be a farmer. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with Amanda and Aaron. Amanda and Aaron, welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast. How are you today? We're good. We are really good. Thank you so much for having us. I am so excited to see your bright, shiny, smiley faces this morning (laughs) and to get to share your stories before I blab on too much. I want you to tell the listeners who are unfamiliar with you who you are, where you're from, and what your connection to agriculture is. I, Erin, I grew up very far away from here. I grew up in about an hour outside of New York City. So I grew up on Long Island. I'm a Long Island girl. Been with my mom and my dad and my older brother in a very suburban neighborhood, shops and <laughs> restaurants. Everything was close by. So we, uh, I grew up there. And then when I graduated, uh, I moved out to Pennsylvania, um, which is definitely more of like a rural setting. And I went to college out there. And so I essentially moved out of my house when I was 17 and moved away from home. And I never really went back after that. So I've been on my own for quite a while. I graduated, I went to a liberal arts college out there and graduated in 2007. So my degrees in sociology after college, I I took a little bit of time and started, I kind of got a job, then did a bit of traveling, Um, eventually ended up here in rural Alberta. And the way I ended up here was when I was traveling abroad, I, I did about I don't know, three weeks traveling in Europe and met my husband abroad when we were, when we were traveling together. And we had a long distance relationship for a couple of years. And my husband said, come to Alberta. (laughs) (laughs) Good old Lloyd Minster. Good old Lloyd Minster. He, uh, was that the ultimate trick? No, he was, it wasn't. He just, he had already been established in his job. He is also a teacher. And I said, you know what? I'm fun. I'm not change adverse. I let's do it. So I made an international move from that life into where we are now. So that was back in, we got married in 2013 and I've been here ever since. So the rest is history. The yeah, is history. I guess so. I mean, there was a lot that happened between, you know, growing up on Long Island and, and growing up and ending up here. But that was kind of like the steps in which took me this direction. My connection to agriculture is living here now in this community. It's kind of where I am now. My mom, she actually uh, she did set up a community a CSA. So growing up, I did have sort of a connection to food and growing things and sort of developed a love of that a little bit later when my mom became really involved and was the farmer in this CSA. So I definitely sort of honed some skills there and a love for being connected to your food in that way, but on a much smaller scale than is more typical in this area, for sure. For sure. All right, Amanda, you're up. (laughs) <laughs> My turn. I'm the sixth generation on our family farm. And so the Weaver settled in Lloydminster in 1903. And I am back here now with my kids who will be the seventh generation. So my story is significantly different than Aaron's. <laughs> I grew up on our family farm. We have grain mostly, but we are now dabbling in cattle a little bit. Uh, it was my dad and brother and who farmed together with their dad. 
and he actually died quite young. And so my dad took over the grain side and my uncle took over the cattle side. So I got to kind of be a part of everything growing up. My mom is tremendously hands-on and she's part of everything. And so we as kids were drug from field to field, from branding to treating cows to back again. And um, it was a huge family operation. Uh, when I was 10, we moved into the farmyard with my grandma after my grandpa had died. And so we got to also have that experience growing up kind of right across from her in the same yard. And yeah, so I really kind of honed my love for agriculture without even knowing it. However, I never saw myself going into agriculture. I wanted to be a teacher from the get-go. I, um, I have three brothers and I would line two of them up and give them their little workbooks for the day and force them into playing school with me <laughs> from a very young age. And I really saw myself as a teacher and nothing else. So right out of high school, I went to the U of S and I got my degree in education. But along those lines, I kind of um, stayed connected to agriculture through friends that were in agriculture. And I, it's funny, you don't realize you're tied to it until you kind of separate yourself from it. And moving to the city, I saw that gap already. And it was like, wow, I, I miss it. I loved um, being at the U of S because in the spring, the dairy farm was right on campus and the snow would melt and the manure smell would spread across campus. And I was just like, oh, smells like home. Yeah. So, but I still got my education degree. And then I moved back to Lloydminster and I started teaching. I had met my now husband then, and he is a uh, heavy duty mechanic at our egg dealer here, but he also farms with his, farmed at the time with his family and now mine. So yeah, I still lots of egg in my life, but I was dedicated to teaching, but I realized I worked in a school that um, had no farm families in it. And it was just a very interesting experience from someone that just was so closely tied to agriculture, just seeing how much these kids didn't know about anything like about where their food came from about and more so just even like what was outside of their community like not very far away and so that kind of started my interest in teaching more about agriculture and sharing more about agriculture and I was always so shocked at how my stories would wow them about just basic little things that just to me seemed like everyday life but wasn't at all so I guess I was then getting more involved with agriculture and I was more involved with our farm. I would go from teaching a full day and run to the field to grab the combine all evening and then make supper and then go back to do my marking and then back to school again. And so after we had our first son, I kind of had to um, take a step back and look and decide if I was more passionate about education or agriculture, because doing both was getting to be uh, juggling and it was hard to manage. And so I went back teaching after our first son and after our second son, I went back again. But after we had our third son, I decided to stay home and farm and spend more time raising our kids the way that I was raised. We're farming more and more as well. So I have more of a role that way too. Yeah. So I've stepped away from education and stepped more into a mom role and our farm. So that was my very long journey, but really loving kind of where we're at the mix of getting to raise our boys and see our boys every day, but then also being a part of our farm and business decisions and operating equipment and everything in between. All the good stuff, all coming mm -hmm. back to you from your all childhood. coming back, all yeah. 
full circle here. Well, and I think we have to give a special mention to your mom, Allison Weaver. Uh, <laughs> listeners may remember her from episode 138 of the Rural Woman podcast. And I personally would like to think that Allison is like my farm mom. So... <laughs> she would love that. Absolutely love that. Give her a big hug for me. <laughs> I will do that. You have heard me tell you all about the amazing benefits that come with being a patron of the Rural Woman podcast through Patreon. But I wanted to share with you a few testimonials from the patron gang themselves. Patron Annabelle writes, I became a patron so I could enrich my knowledge of the diverse world of agriculture. Although I live and breathe farming and ranching, there is a lot I don't know. I believe learning that how and why people do things will help me improve being a better rancher myself. This podcast also helps with the feeling of isolation. I hear the voices of ladies from all walks of life living a similar life to my own. This type of outreach is not only vital for us in the business, but those wanting to learn about the people growing and raising their food. I'm well aware that podcasts take an outstanding amount of time and money to create, so I felt like I, as well as others, can make a small monthly contribution that can help make a long-lasting podcast. Join Annabelle and the rest of the patron gang in supporting the stories of women in agriculture to be shared through the Rural Women podcast starting at $2 a month over on Patreon. Visit wildrosefarmer.com Patreon to learn more. So, Aaron, we talked a little bit about, you know, your transition from the big city to living in a city in rural Alberta that has, you know, 36,000 people. You had the connection with the CSA, but when we're talking about large-scale production agriculture that you're surrounded by, what were some of the biggest like aha moments to you about what you were seeing happening around you and, you know, becoming friends with Amanda eventually? We'll get to that part of the story, too, of how you two are connected. But, you know, what was, you know, coming from where you came from to seeing this big production? What was that like for you? Well, I will clarify a little bit. I didn't grow up in Manhattan. Sometimes when I'm talking about New York, people are like, what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Did you wait see Carrie second. Bradshaw walking yeah, down the street? Like, yeah. Wait a second. <laughs> like you're just knocking that store to Broadway. No, like we're, uh, I didn't grow up in Manhattan. We're about an hour train ride or an hour east of Manhattan. So Long Island is just it's very suburbia. So coming here when people say they have a large operation, even when Amanda and I first met, I'm like, how many acres do you need to farm to even be in farming, you know what I mean? To be even competitive mm -hmm. to your, um, mm -hmm. I don't know, neighbors or, you know, however that works. So it has taken me a long time, even now talking about it. I'm not in a, I wouldn't call myself well-versed even in, in that, in that world, but, you know, even, and I mean, even when I first came here, I think just visually seeing things for the first time. I really had no, I had traveled in Europe and I had, I had seen farm life a little bit when I was living in Pennsylvania and going to school, but large scale operations were like a new thing for me. Like I had really no exposure to that. Um, so seeing that, asking questions, um, seeing ranching as like a, 
a, a thing, a family, a lifestyle. People did. That was very common here. I had, I had no understanding of that really, you know? So all of those things were very eye-opening to me. I kind of realized as I grew up that I, I loved being kind of like the oddball. Like when people would be like, but why are you living in Canada? Like, aren't you cold all the time? And like, <laughs> aren't you, you know, like all of the stereotypical yeah. <laughs> like perceptions that people have about living rurally or living in a climate that's very, very different. I think that's what's interesting to me too, is people, people are interested in other people's ways of life. That's just kind of a natural interest, I think, that people have. Anything that's different than you and how you sort of operate on a day-to-day is cool. It's interesting, you know? People are like curious about how that works for other people. Well, and I I kind of fall in the same camp as you, Erin. Obviously, I didn't grow up in an area as big, but I did grow up in a city. And to what Amanda was saying, there are people that live in smaller cities or what you might consider a rural city compared to, you know, in Alberta, the Calgary's or the Edmontons. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know what was going on outside of the city limits because I didn't have that connection to agriculture until later in life. Amanda, I want to go back to what you were talking about, about teaching in a school that didn't have those rural connections. What were some of the major disconnects that you were seeing in not only the students, but maybe even the parents that were in that school system that were kind of um, not associated with the agriculture that was happening outside of your city? Yeah, like I even, um, I was just thinking the other day, even co-workers of mine who grew up in um, our area and around our area had no clue like I shouldn't say no clue they just they had no connections whatsoever to agriculture and they had no means to get those connections or to find those resources to kind of learn more and it was um kind of eye-opening that way where like pieces of our curriculum especially in Saskatchewan are tied to agriculture and people who are teaching about it had no no connection whatsoever and no person to like reach out to or talk to or like I was the sole farmer on staff. And even at that time, I didn't feel I had enough knowledge in some ways to, I felt I had enough knowledge for maybe a grade three level to explain it to them. But for teaching teachers about agriculture, I was like, oh, I don't know enough to share Mm -hmm. this. But yeah, that was like my biggest eye opener was that, you know, that they're like, people just don't have that tie or that connection that I kind of anticipated they would. There were families that just truly had no hands-on farm experience whatsoever. And also like they were always quite shocked that I would go from teaching to farming, like that I, that we did both, that it was, that I was able to function kind of in both roles. I, I think the curiosity thing too, like parents and students and teachers and coworkers, they were all so curious about what that looked like like they were like so you put on coveralls and you got in the combine after work and it's like well only during harvest like I don't not every day um in the winter I put on glasses and sit in front of the computer which is less fun and not as exciting people are very curious about different lifestyles and and um very curious about agriculture yeah that tie to their food was always my draw and my like pull to try and teach 
Um, like my, my mom, Allison has a giant garden every year. And my very first year teaching, I brought in a bunch of her veggies and we made vegetable soup and, um, the students were just like, so this came out of the ground, like so surprised. And that school was, uh, our community school. So they, they had lunch provided for them and that sort of thing. So for them to have, um, and touch like these vegetables that were grown in the ground right from a farm that was like minutes away from them was so surprising because for them, their food came from Walmart and it went into their grocery cart and then it, you know, was provided to them that way. And they didn't see any more outside of that. And so it was quite, um, yeah, eye-opening. No matter how small or big the community is, I think there's still that piece that is missing if they don't have that hands-on experience in some way with a farm. Well, and I just think that piece is so important for those listening who are multi-generation to hear that because I'm a testament to that. I didn't know. And I, you know, am... I would consider myself to be kind of a smart person in a lot of ways, but I just didn't know because I had that disconnection. And obviously the curiosity is there. But again, if you didn't have the connection or the resources or the know-how to get that information, you know, some of us could be going to Google and, you know, we who knows what's going to pop up depending on what you typed in there, right? Not to go down the conspiracy uh, theory route, but, you know, it's good to know that there are, you know, folks out there that are multi-generational farmers that are willing to share their stories and like yourselves here today, sharing the stories of what you're doing to expand the knowledge for the people who don't have those connections. So speaking of connections, I want to talk about how you two got connected and why we're all sitting here today. (laughs) (laughs) So first, tell us how you've met uh, and then we're going to dive into the rural motherhood experience. Sure. Uh, Amanda and I met because um, when I moved, my whole uh, experience um, working, lots of my experience has been revolved around childcare. So when I moved here, um, I had some previous jobs um, in the States. I was actually working um, one-on-one with um, children with autism. And I also worked um, doing some therapeutic counseling and an after-school program and kind of a higher risk area. And then um, when I moved here, I was like, hmm, what am I going to do? And I ended up starting my own uh, private day home. So um, I did that for about eight years. And towards the tail end of that, Amanda's uh, for her firstborn, ended up in my care. So um, that is really how we were connected. I'm trying to think like of our initial our initial meeting, but I, I think it was pretty much she was looking for childcare. I was now working um, from my acreage, which was close by, which is always a huge draw for parents. Um, so I ended up with um, her little guy and that's how we met each other, became friends and um, got connected. I subsequently ended up taking care of her second and her third. So (laughs) I think it it went all right. It went well. And, and that's sort of how we, we got, uh, became friends. I think we actually met at a garage sale. Did we? Yeah. Now that you think about it. Yeah. (laughs) At a community school at the Greenwood school. Oh yeah. Maybe you were were shopping and our mutual friend introduced us. Okay. It's kind of ringing a bell. So there you go. (laughs) 
that was the initial meeting, but, uh, um, small town. But, yeah. But we, we met at a garage sale, but we did, uh, but we, we definitely, I think connected on a, <laughs> we just had similar, even though we're different in a lot of ways, we also had, uh, similar ways of our humor was similar <laughs> and, um, we, everything just seemed easy. Well, and I think you with know, like, um, <clears throat> us living rurally as well, yeah. like there's, not all that many people in the same position as you going through the same pace of their life, the same time of their life. Mm -hmm. And, um, when you find someone that you kind of connect with, who's maybe in the same space, same place, same phase of life, phase of life, it is, um, like you latch onto them and you're like, yes, you can't leave. You're my, you're my (laughs) people. You're my people for now. (laughs) And hopefully for like, well, especially we now have children that are the same age And over COVID, I guess, sure, got to bring that up. You had a little guy the same age as mine or six months older. Sure. And so we were kind of post COVID. It was like friends, like seeing people was like so um, great. And I think that really helped our friendship, not helped, but like we saw each other a lot. Well, and it's like a breath of fresh air to find someone that is in the same place and space as you that you connect with and that you... Yeah, I hope that it's nice when everybody can. Yeah, yeah, I want that for everybody. Yeah, really. Right. Well, and I think that piece is so important when we're rural because of the isolation factor. And whether you know you have a neighbor that's just a five-minute walk down the gravel road, or you can't see people for miles, I think making the effort to have that human connection, and especially now, is so important. And you you mentioned the thing that. What is that thing that we're craving? And I know for me, it was the actual genuine human connection. And I know early pandemic, when we all we had was Zoom, that's what I craved. I craved to see that other person through the screen. And, you know, as as we've moved on through the pandemic and where we are today with it, you know, the, the screens are to me are still good. Um, I still find value in it, but I definitely crave that in-person human connection when when we're able to do so. Talk to me about how the broader community for you has impacted motherhood for you in a rural setting. Well, I guess for me, um, like I didn't realize how lonely you could feel as a mom. Like to me, I thought that that would just like, that it wouldn't be at all. Like you, it was just like this happy moment, happy time in your life, but it's actually like terribly lonely because it's just you and your little human at home for hours at a time. And sometimes those hours aren't very um, happy if you have a fussy baby or even if they're not fussy, it just it drug on for me and finding a community and having a community was really kind of a lifeline. Like I had my family, I was very blessed that like my husband's family's close and my family's close. And when we had our first, actually all of our boys, we were still in the trailer in my mom and dad's yard. And so I'd pack us up in our pajamas at the crack of dawn and we'd go over for coffee in the morning just so that I could like see an adult space for five minutes because my husband worked out of the house and he wasn't home during the day. You need that community and you need to kind of make connections. And it's hard because either you're isolated rurally 
or you're isolated in that you're kind of stuck with this baby at home and it gets tricky to do things. And so kind of branching out and finding that community gets tricky. And for me, I was lucky because I had friends that I already had um, established relationships with good friends in town that had babies at the same time as me. However, we don't always end up on the same schedules, doing the same things. They were, some were back working, some weren't working, some were on maternity leave. And um, yeah, like it's just hard to find that balance and find that connection with someone when it is um, also vital. Like you need, you need that community around you, that moral support more than even just a text message. Like you need to see them more than you think you do. I think too, like not everybody's uh, experience as a mother is the same. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when Amanda says sometimes, you know, you, it's very lonely or you have a fussy baby, even those beginning weeks, like even for me, I sort of had an opposite experience. I, I really just honed in on my beginnings, motherhood of motherhood Mm -hmm. experience. Um, my, my journey to motherhood was also a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, we just to kind of dip in a little bit, we dealt with infertility for a long time, um, after getting married and deciding we wanted to have a family and probably, um, and then both of our children, um, came to us through adoption in a really beautiful way. And, uh, we're so grateful for that experience. And, However, our son uh, was born in 2020, May 2020. So we were really in the thick of like kind of very uncertain pandemic, you know, situation. And we really honed down. We were like, okay, this is just us and our little baby and we're home and it's wonderful and he's awesome. And my husband was off from work because he was working as a school teacher during that time. So we really just like, we, that was so special. Like it was like just this little capsule of like motherhood and awesomeness. And we were just like, this is great. But then we, you do get to that point where you're like, okay, this is wonderful and great, but now we're out on the acreage and you don't have neighbors and you're like, how am I going to like connect with people again? And it feels weird at first because you almost become so used to doing your own thing. I mean, I joke with my husband. I'm like, during those days, we would go for like four walks a day and just like talk to each other. And that's really just what you had for so long. And it was great. And it was, it was wonderful. But, um, yeah, you do then say, okay, like what's my role and how am I going to like, connect with people around here. And my connection with Amanda was really great for me because like she said, she did already have a lot of connections with friends and she would be like, it's fine. Just come over and come in your pajamas and come have coffee with me and my friends or Mm -hmm. let, you know, we had a lot of the same sort of, um, things about our kids where we were like, let's just, just let them go. You know, like we we had rambunctious boys, rambunctious (laughs) boys. And we didn't, it didn't matter if, you know, they didn't get along all the time and it didn't, we were just like, it's fine. Like we never put pressure on each other Mm -hmm. to like have the perfect play date or have the, you know, we're like, things are probably going to go awry at some point. Let's just get that out in the open. Let's just enjoy it. And we'll just deal with it when it comes. And it was just, it's so nice when you can find somebody that kind of aligns with you in that way. 
Well, and I think our conversations often came back to that. Like, even if we were just visiting, it was mm-hmm. like, oh, goodness, thank goodness you're here. I needed to vent or yes. like our, I needed someone to entertain our kids or whatever it yes. would be. And we always came back to either we knew someone who was in a position where they were doing it on their own in some way, or they were feeling like they were doing it on their own in some way. And like, mostly we were speaking in like that. We were just lucky that we had found each other. Absolutely. So talk to us about, you've obviously talked about your connection and how you're connected, but now talk to us about the journey that you two have been on together in starting your own magazine and educational resources that pertain to agriculture. Initially, it just started as a crazy idea. We said, you know what? What are we doing? We're both kind of like in, I had, so my daughter was born to, to, um, very early, like nine weeks premature. And we had been like, okay, <clears throat> I am on a break from the day home. Amanda was not teaching. She was kind of on a break from her career. So we were both on these sort of, maybe unexpected a little bit of Mm -hmm. like breaks from our careers and what we were doing kind of like what are we doing with our lives and what like what and we've had both sort of start kind of came to light that we were both maybe missing that creative part of our jobs we were just troubleshooting ideas we were like what could we do like what we want to do something maybe together because that's kind of fun I had been working totally independently and by myself I had never really done anything collaborative with anybody else when it came to work for a long time. And Amanda was like, she's such an ideas person too. So she'd be like, Hey, how about this? Did you ever think about this? And, you know, I said, Oh, that's kind of a cool idea. And like, whatever. So anyway, I, we were, I was walking down the street. I think I was like walking my uh, son in the stroller or I don't know something. And Amanda called me on the phone. I remember exactly where I was on the street. And she said, what do you think about a magazine. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. You know, we started talking about it and I will let you chat for a little bit now about sort of where we took it from there. But it was as simple as that. Yeah. So we started as an Instagram page because before <clears throat> Aaron's daughter was born, we were just kind of same thing, like just chatting. Like we should do things. We want to share our ideas. We want to connect with other moms. So let's just start an Instagram page and see where it goes from there. And so we just were sharing different it was spring. So we were sharing different spring ideas that we do with our kids for, you know, that's easy. That doesn't, you know, you don't have to buy the craft kit that goes along with it, that you can just like go for a walk. And here's a a sheet of paper for like a scavenger hunt or that kind of thing. Well, and I think we were not frustrated with social media, but it wasn't really our end goal. Uh, we didn't want to become influencers. We didn't want to become anything really social media esque. From there, I kind of shared my passion of wanting to share agriculture in a kid friendly format. And uh, we both were passionate about having it in a hard paper copy that you could hold and touch and flip through and feel because we both like we're not against screens, not against screen time. My, my kids just had to do a screen time detox after Easter because we were like losing our little minds over watching more TV. There's so just something tangible that's so um, to have it in your hands and for kids to be able to touch something too um, and not just swipe. 
would love to be able to sort of get the magazine that you could sit down and you can page through and you can learn something maybe that you didn't learn before, that you didn't know before, excuse me. So we wanted that all to be in there and then also have that piece of like, here are some fun activities. Here are some fun ideas that you can go out and create some fun memories together as a family. Because like we've kind of talked about before, like when you're learning, when no matter where you live, sometimes you're in the trenches as a mom, you know, and you're just trying to survive the hour, the day, um, or maybe you're having a great week and you feel super motivated and you're like, let's just go for it, kids. Like everyone's behaving themselves. <laughs> let's just like go have a fun adventure. Let's go do all those things. And like, no matter what piece you're in, I feel like everybody cycles through, you know, everybody is either ha- just killing it and like just in a really good phase, or you're just like, whoo, gotta get through this day. And I feel like we both feel like the magazine, no matter which part you're in, could be a fun and beneficial tool to families to either give you those ideas or just take it and run with it and just create some good memories. We also saw it as multifaceted and that it could be helpful in a day home setting or an educator setting. Or uh, So that kind of was always in the back of our minds as well. When we released the first issue, we were like, okay, we're just going to focus on putting together a magazine and seeing if we can actually do this. Um, but with the spring one, we were able to um, set aside a little bit more time to kind of think about the resource side of it too. And both of us being people that have utilized different resources for that purpose, we were like, okay, how will this work? Like, will can it be multifaceted? Should it be multifaceted? And, mm-hmm. and we really think it did. So that's kind of the next branch that we leaned into with it. With and the spring issue. And it was in the back of our mind to start initially. Um, but like, you can only you can't, do... You just can't do it all, right? You can only do so much at you once. Can't, you can only... <laughs> And Amanda and I talk about this a lot because I am someone who like wants to fully think the entire thing through every single time. And Amanda's like, okay, but like we have a deadline and we have to be able to like get it out there. And of course you understand that, but you're always wanting to put out your, put your best foot forward. So um, it's been, and I say the uh, learning curve Mm -hmm. um, because you you do every single, we really believe that every single issue we're learning and trying to put out a better product every time. For the listeners who are listening that would like to find the magazine, where will they go online to find it? Sure. They can head to our website and it is www.groundedlearninglaughingplaying.com or you can follow us on Instagram and our handle is learning, laughing, playing. Facebook. And Facebook. Right. Sorry, Facebook. Poor Facebook. It's a bad rap, I guess, for our generation. We're on Facebook too. Um, so we, our little business is called Grounded and then uh, our handles are Learning, Laughing, Playing. Perfect. And I will link all of those in the show notes, including Facebook uh, for <laughs> listeners to find and connect with you. Great. Ladies, my last question for you. Uh, individually, what is the most rewarding part about being rural women for you? I think when you live at kind of a way and sometimes you're a little bit isolated it gives you some sense of confidence and you build your confidence because maybe there's things that you have never done before or you've never done a certain way and sometimes you have no choice but to learn how to do them and I think there's a learning curve there. There are things that you have to do that you didn't do in town or there are um 
you know, all of a sudden, you know, we have chickens at our house and there, you know, there's just even small things um, or you don't have a lot of neighbors or you live farther away from the store now and you have to figure out how to like plan ahead and just little things like that where you just, you, you learn. And as you do it, I feel like you become more, more confident in your lifestyle and the way you live. And, um, that's been, that's been kind of empowering, I think as a woman. And there are times where you're out there by yourself and you just got to figure stuff out, you know, like you can do things, you know, and sometimes you surprise yourself. You, you think, you know, I, if I were to have asked myself even, um, before moving to an acreage, if I would ever live where I didn't have a lot of neighbors or, and I would say, Ooh, I don't think so. I think I'm a little scared. I was a little bit of a scaredy cat, you know, back before I was out here and I thrown into rural life, (laughs) thrown into rural life, you know, but you know, you just sort of, you do it and then you feel empowered when you do. Uh, I guess my answer plays off of yours a lot. My, I guess two, twofold, you feel very confident in the end in your abilities and your capabilities you're capable of way more than what you even think you are i tell the funny story off well it was from this fall my my husband's uncle who was so gracious came and helped us with our harvest but he had never harvested with us before and i think i shocked him majorly i was at the field before him i had our combine greased i had the three boys with me i had their snacks unloaded and the combine filled with various activities for them to partake in for the day. I had to move the grain cart down the fields because I didn't have anyone there to help me yet. So I was filling on my own. And then I'd have to unload them all from the combine, load them into the tractor, drive the cart around, unload them from the tractor, start the bagger, load back into the grain. Anyway, it was a gong show, but it was my gong show. I was used to it. It was, it's just was my everyday. I didn't trust them to leave them alone in the equipment. So I was hauling three big boys in and out over and over again. And I looked over and he's sitting on the edge of the field in his halftime with his like jaw hanging down, almost like, what is she doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm not as crazy as I look. I promise. I probably looked like I was sweating, carrying kids around, like greasy from greasing the combine, (laughs) waving like a crazy person at him because I'm like, we're here. (laughs) Come and help us or whatever it was. But it he he was he was very um gracious he was like how do you do this and i didn't really realize it until then that it was like oh yeah i guess not everybody else does this every day um now like i was so blessed to have aaron because i didn't do it every day um i think if i had to combine with my kids every day i probably would have lost my marbles because it's a lot of children in a small cab for a lot of hours at a time. And I had her for a breath and a break and she would keep them a day or two a week. That would just be kind of my days to myself, but I knew I could do it. Like if I had to, I could, there was no, I think there's part of this just not to interrupt, but the, I think you overall, you're just, you're so much more capable than sometimes you believe you are. Yeah. And until you are in a situation where even this winter, like I had both the kids in my car and I got stuck in a snowbank and I had no other choice but to dig out. Like I, I was thinking, I even had a moment to myself where I was like, what am I going to do? You know, like I just, what am I going to do? And then you sort of evaluate your situation and you're like, 
it's up to me. Like I literally have no other choice than to put on these mitts, thankfully that are in the car and, you know, keep my kids warm. But now this one doesn't have food. So she's screaming and this one's like, what are you doing? And you're outside and you're digging out your tires. And that's just like what you have to do. So I think just overall, you're just, you're so much more capable than what, what you think sometimes. And then you're until you're in a situation where you're Mm -hmm. maybe more alone than you have been previously in your life, you're put to the test and you're just, you always surprise yourself. And I think living rurally, it throws you into those positions more um, frequently, more frequently than yeah, if you were say. maybe um, in a city or something. I I don't yeah. actually know from experience, but yeah. I feel like I'm thrown into situations more often than not where it's like, darn, you have more five re- heifers just jump the fence and I have three kids, one in a backpack and the other one has to poop. So what am I going to do? Yeah. Um, so so I like, think, I think I'm just like, we are in those positions more often where you have to be resilient and resourceful and brave, um, brave. And, um, I also feel that like, we're very blessed to have this community and the connections that we do. And I think you really cling on to that community more when you are in a little bit more of a secluded location, or maybe when it's just not as easy to get to your people, you, you really build those friendships and make your community and you find those connections so that you have that lifeline or you have that person to hang on to because it is maybe a little bit more challenging to find them or uh, like there's just, there's not as many, like we have a great library that has parent and talk programs and we have a community or a what a Midwest family connections in town that provide uh, mom and talk classes, but um, that's it. That's the two of them. And so I think that we have fewer resources that way. So when you do make those connections or find your people in your community that you can rely on and connect with, even when it's like, gosh, I forgot about this dentist appointment tomorrow and I can't take the kids and are you home? Can I drop them off? And I'll trade you. You can drop yours off tomorrow when you go get groceries after, like we'll switch. And it's nice to have. Yeah, absolutely. Ladies, thank you so much for sharing your stories with us today. And thank you for creating a community and the resources for other women and other parents to be able to connect with agriculture and their kids. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. The Rural Woman Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a community. A huge thank you to the Rural Woman Podcast team, audio editor Max Hofer, and admin support from Kim and Co. Online. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producers, Sarah Reedner from Happiness by the Acre and Carrie Munven from Laystone Farms. To learn how you can become a Patreon executive producer or other ways to financially support the show, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast to get the latest episodes directly on your playlist. And if you are loving the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that accepts ratings and reviews. You can connect with us on social media at the Rural Woman Podcast and with me at Wild Rose Farmer. One of the best ways you can support the show is by sharing it. Send this episode to a friend or share on your social media. 
let's strengthen and amplify the voices of women in agriculture together. Until next time, my friend, keep sharing your story.